Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Education Transformation, hosted by Lee and Kate Ridge. In this episode, we're going to explore how to pilot a new course. Often we develop new courses and then we put them into practice and we haven't actually gone through a robust process to pilot them. So today we look at some of the pitfalls and tips for piloting new courses. So Kate, here we are today. We're going to be talking about piloting a new course. And this was a topic that was raised by one of our listeners uh, by our website. So we really appreciate the feedback from the listener. And if you've got any other ideas from our listening audience, please feel free to email those through. Yeah, it's great to hear about what people are interested in. So it's really a great opportunity for us to be able to actually... um, you know, meet those needs of our listeners. It is, it is. So um, the more engagement we can have, the better, I think. So we've piloted quite a few courses over the years um, um, and for various organisations, adult education organisations. So we've developed and and piloted those courses in conjunction with industry and the like. So um, let's go through some of the things that we would consider. Well, you know, for anyone who's listened to our podcast for quite a while, they'll know that I always say you've got to start at the end of the finished product, what you want what you want it to look like and what the needs are from your cohorts and your industry and work backwards. So you're looking about, about the uh, characteristics of the learner uh, upon graduation? Yeah, and, you know, although, you know, I'm saying you start at the end and work back, you know, that, that guides your planning. And the more planning and information you get at that stage, the easier it's going to be to develop something that meets the needs of your learners. So um, if you can clearly identify who your cohort is, then, you know, the product you develop and pilot is going to be... Um, is more going to meet their needs and you might even identify that actually I need one or two or even three different forms of this one course because we have this range of cohorts that we need to service you know I have Mm -hmm, some really mm -hmm. experienced members um, or we might be aiming at school kids like they're in schools yeah that's right that's it's a good point so so we're looking at the demographic of the people and we're looking at really uh, what, is our, what is our motivation for developing the course? Usually it's driven by industry. Usually industry are knocking on the door saying, hey, you know, we really need this short course developed or this qualification developed uh, because, and, and it needs to be delivered in our area because we've got uh, labour shortages. So it's linked to labour mm. labor, uh, mobility and the like, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It is. But, you know, without a really clear definition or defining who who you who's going to be using the course or Mm. learning the in the course um you really you don't really have a good basis to start from no that's right and even to develop one one subject so if you're talking in australia if we're talking about qualifications then we're talking at you know often uh at least you know 10 subjects or units of competence as we would say in australia um it takes considerable effort and investment. So, for example, from my experience, even developing one of those subject areas or one of those units of competence will take you at least three months. Mm. And that's diligently working on it every day mm. if you want it to be a good quality product mm. at the end. 
And I, th- I think you raise a really important point there in that, you know, it actually takes a lot longer than you anticipate. Mm. And so actually to set out, you know, your, your project planning, so your Gantt charts or your project management yep. software if you use it, to just to help you keep on track and to identify all of the comp- components that go into the development. For sure. And look, we have covered uh, instructional design previously, so mm. we're going to try not to get too heavy into instructional design. Um, but if you go back through our back catalogue on our podcast, you will find it approximately 12 months ago um, mm. where there was an in-depth discussion on instructional design. Mm. So take a look at that because it does accompany this, this yeah. conversation today. Now we've looked at, we've just talked about the cohort Mm. and that really comes into um, a training needs analysis. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when you're starting out before you you can even pilot a course and develop a course, um, you need a training needs analysis. Sure. And so Lee, do you want to explain a bit more what goes into a training needs analysis? Well, we're thinking about the the, uh, the demographic of the target audience. We're thinking about uh, the mode of delivery, um, so whether we're looking at uh, online delivery or whether we're looking at face-to-face delivery or blended delivery, whether it's a specific target or audience with regards to workplace delivery or apprenticeships where often it'll be a very different approach to training. Um, some of those things are pretty critical. Uh, the timeline as well will be important. How much contact time will be required for the delivery of that. Thinking about the trainers and the assessors uh, that we have in our program area, uh, is, are, are those skills going to be sufficient or are we looking for additional staff, also additional staff with regards to um, just covering uh, more educational ground, so to speak, across more program areas um, needs to be considered. We're thinking things along the lines of um, practical facilities and mm-hmm. resources and equipment. Do we have those those essential needs covered off? They're I, all part of the training needs analysis. I think also your cost-benefit analysis, you know, mm. is it actually going to be worthwhile? Because most training providers or education institutions are a business, so they actually yep. need to be making a profit out of what they're doing. So, you know, is this actually going to achieve that? Well, and as a member of the faculty, so this has been my experience in the past when I was lecturing full-time, as uh, a member of the faculty, that's essential, isn't it? Mm. Because you can have industry knocking on your door, but you have to be able to justify uh, the resources and coming offline, really, for three months to develop that course um, to the management team, um, and it has to be justified financially. And if you, you know, if you're delivering to a highly specialised industry, you know, the equipment that you're gonna mm-hmm. need to have yep. to deliver that training is going to be a big investment. You know, is that going to be recouped, or can you actually partner with industry so that you don't actually yeah. have to purchase it? So there's some things you'd be thinking about. That's right. That's right. So you're thinking also on the lines of uh, whether you're going to use online collaboration, yeah. whether you're going to be considering research activities that are based mm-hmm. within industry, um, directed practical activities, what are they going to look like? Are you going to be involved with the facilitation of that? Obviously, someone needs to. Mm-hmm. So is that my role, someone else's role in the team? Um, things You could also considering things like uh, the assessment methods. Mm-hmm. So yeah. what issues are we thinking about there? Well, well, 
again, it's, you know, we go back to the components of the training needs analysis, you know, assessors, what what qualifications or skills do our assessors need? Mm -hmm. What equipment do we need? How much time, you know, is it going to take to assess Mm -hmm. one student? You know, do we have all those resources? Um, And, you know, also about the quality of the assessment. So, you know, we've talked about assessment before. You know, we can have assessments that actually, um, you know, on paper they assess what they're supposed to be assessing, but they're not necessarily always a good quality assessment Mm -hmm. uh, once Mm -hmm. they're in practice. So, you know, know, looking at actually assessment design as well. Yeah, yeah, which is really a completely separate subject again. yes. And quite an in-depth subject um but it's worth it's worth researching for anyone mm. that's unsure um some of those terms such mm. as the uh rules of evidence and mm. principles of assessment and dimensions of competency those issues are all really relevant aren't they with mm. regards to the design of of a new yeah. course and the piloting of a new course mm. so i think you know with our piloting of course we're saying we need to start from the basis of a training needs analysis looking at you know, the purpose, the reasoning, our cohorts, our, you know, the costs, you know, all the inputs, the outputs. Mm-hmm. Um, but from there, we then need to actually move on and get a wider um, field of experts or industry involved yeah. to, that actually will help us um, identify what we need to include in our training for sure that's right so so ideally you're going to have that those industry groups that have been knocking on your door proverbially and and asking for this course to be developed so you want them in the conversation but also i think it's wise to broaden it to similar organizations um, in in the region because if they're aware of their competition engaging with this this new training project Mm -hmm then they might also be willing to engage and and you broaden your marketplace. Mm. I think one of the pitfalls people um, fall into when designing and piloting a course is that they seek feedback at the end. You know, they put in Mm. all this effort, Mm. they uh, design their, their course, they design their assessment strategies, and then they put it out for feedback. Mm. Um, and, you know, it's actually not that hard to be right off beam. Yeah, um, sure. So, you know, if you leave that to the end, you might find that this doesn't actually meet the needs of what I was setting out to do or what industry asked for mm. or the cohort requires. So getting that feedback and participation really early on will actually mean your piloting will be more successful. Yeah, yeah. You still have to rely, I think, professionally upon your own judgment. Mm. You know, if you're an expert in the field, then you you should feel confident to be able to steer that committee and mm. to guide that committee because you're also the expert with regards to education in that committee. Um, so you do need to lead those discussions, mm. but you do need to um, facilitate it so you're listening, so consensus is reached. And the great thing about engaging with industry and and, uh, like-minded organisations is that during the design process and the preparation to pilot a new course, you can actually explore together and hopefully establish workplace 
locations for uh, work placements for the students into the future mm. as they're going through this training. So if you can access workplaces um, across the state or across your region, then it becomes really powerful, the training program, because it's very practical then. It's a hands-on process where people are getting real exposure um, to current best practice within the industry. Yeah, and I think, you know, getting that feedback or input early on and getting regular feedback throughout, you know, mm. taking it back, yep. this is where where I'm heading, this is, this is what I've done so far, what are your thoughts? And so it's a very cyclic process. Yes, it is. Um, and that way you're ensuring that you're actually staying on track. That's right. And, and true yeah. to the, the desired outcome. That's right, yeah. Um, and again, at, at, on completion, you're going to want a final feedback before you actually pilot the course true. as well. True, um, And when you're coming to that final component, as you're getting to that point, um, then you're, you're wanting to formally validate. I do anyway. I like to formally validate before we even deliver the training program. I like to validate um, where the strengths are of the learning resources of the assessment processes that are, that have been planned, um, I like to validate all of that out. Make sure all of the benchmarks that have been uh, previously established have been addressed through the training program. Um, the online content is acceptable. The engagement online is acceptable. Um, all of the the delivery methodology. Um, if students are required to. Uh, provide any of their own resources then is that acceptable and is the expenditure of that process ex- acceptable um, how can we do things smarter more efficiently before we actually teach it yeah. so I like to have industry involved and I always document that process mm-hmm. don't we we always yeah. document that process both of us um, because that's really important record keeping the other things um, I think are really important around that final um, quality assurance process before you pilot is getting other educators mm. to look at mm. the content, the assessments um, for clarity. Yep. You know, is actually meeting. You know, especially around assessments. You know, is it going to assess what I need it to assess effectively? That's you know, right. is it clear? Is it unclear? And also trialing the assessments getting someone to actually sit down and do an assessment, the assessments or mm-hmm. a practice um, because they'll be able to tell you whether it's clear, if it's unclear. The instructions um, to the learner. Yeah. Yep. Also, yep. you know, the length of time required. You know, cause yep. sometimes sure. you think, you know, that, that probably won't take very long to do because we come at it from an expert's mm-hmm. point of view. Mm-hmm. But from a learner, it, you know, it's assessments can take a whole lot more time than you anticipate so getting that feedback is for me i think an important component before you actually move to the pilot stage sure sure so we've both done this and i reckon it's a really strong method is is we hand out a validation tool Mm. to our our members of our validation committee and we hand them out and we hand the resources out and the the assessment tools that we're planning and so forth, you know, give them access to the online content, ask them to really look at it like a student would and go through the steps, go through mm. the process and write down and record what they think mm. worked really well and what needs to be developed further, mm. what they're not quite sure on. 
Um, and they do that like two weeks before we get together and yeah. talk and discuss. And then when we bring them together, then if I've written the resource, then I'm sitting there explaining how the process is to occur, answering any questions they might have from, you know, this is how I envisage mm. the learner will transition through and this is why I did it this way. Um, but really, I'm not giving an opinion. Mm. I'm facilitating the conversation and I'm valuing and looking for their perspectives yeah. and their feedback, written and verbal feedback. Yeah. I think just for our international listeners, when we're referring to validation, it's really just a quality assurance process. Yeah, it is. Of, you it know, is. checking off against parameters and, you know, our our um, benchmarks for the unit and those type of things. That's right. That's right. Um, it, it's a bit of a balance of how many hands to put it through. Mm-hmm. As well, you know, is- we've worked in some places where I think there was sort of a 15-person sign off yeah <laughs> you know it was a very um convoluted and lengthy process um which had its benefits it, 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 it certainly it picked up a great deal of um information and feedback on the way but it also meant that the timeliness was quite impacted yeah you look you don't want to be uh, completing all the work and then have it sitting on different people's desks for six months um, waiting for all those signatures to take place because often, you know, one person has to sign before the next person looks yeah. at it. You know, in, in accordance with the leadership roles. Yeah. Um, so you you really want to expedite that process yeah. over a, a couple of weeks rather than over months. Mm. So you want to have clearly defined who really needs who who is going to provide me with the the most valuable feedback on this doesn't mean yes. you know all courses evolve over time so it doesn't mean there won't be further changes in the future but yes, this is our first iteration yep so then we pilot the course so we run the course now now people will refer to people say oh well i always tell the cohort the student group that this is a pilot this first time we've ever run it might make a few mistakes hope you can bear with us I never do that. No, I, I'm not a fan. No. It's, to me, it's like, you know, because I'm a nurse, as, as you know, Lee, but for our listeners, I'm a nurse. And it's like, an, you know, when I was a nursing student, if I was to walk into a patient and say, this is the first time I'm giving you an injection. Sure. To me, it's kind of that. It's like, mm, it's a bit no. Of yeah, everyone's on alert. Yes. Yeah. And that's not what you want because no. in a pilot program, you want them going through assuming you're in control you know safe hands here everything's going to go great because you're looking for genuine feedback Mm. at the end of the course when you're seeking their feedback yeah so it's really important to ensure that it's as natural as possible Mm. i I think as soon as you say it's a pilot you're influencing the feedback that people are going to be looking at the delivery the content completely differently to if they just came in as though i'm about to learn about this topic yeah and I, then i think it's unhealthy it's yeah. it's not productive it's irrelevant really it just yeah. it can actually um send the whole process off in a different tangent you don't mm. want that no you want genuine feedback three months later what do we normally do after so we've piloted the course maybe we've run it two or three times yeah. since then as, as well and then what do we do uh sorry i think that's important too that you pilot more than once you know you, mm-hmm. you run a course several times as your pilots because you know whenever you deliver something new as well 
it's around you developing or the trainers developing their proficiency in that yeah. as well. Yeah. So it's not just about the content, it's about that as well. Yes, sure. Um, sure. So, you know, several iterations or several uh, deliveries of the course are your pilots. Not, it's not necessarily one once only. Quite right, yeah. Um, but feedback after that, after your piloting, you, re- you really want to go back to your feedback you want specific feedback. Written feedback, Re- documented yeah. feedback. Yeah. Um, and you, you're you going to go through that looking for trends. Yes, that's right. You're not looking for outliers of, I thought the catering could have been better. Um, you're looking for genuine trends yeah. of three or four people here and there saying similar things. Yeah. And, you know, question four was unclear. And that's the other thing as well is to look at assessments in way of your feedback as well. You know, is there a question that everyone is getting wrong? Or is there a question when it's happening in the class, as an example, um, if it's a written activity and they're, and they're completing a couple of questions as as the day progresses, um, if two or three people have asked you, sorry, what does this question mean? Then that's really good trends as well that, yeah. okay, you should be making a note of that to ensure that question three, as an example, is amended into the future, the wording of it, not necessarily the intent, but no. the wording of it. Yeah. So learner feedback. Mm-hmm. I think you also should seek feedback from the person or people delivering Absolutely. the course. Yeah. If you're not, if you're not yeah. facilitating it, then whoever is, that's yeah. right. Um, also, if you're able to get the information, you know the financial output inputs mm-hmm. yes so that you can actually evaluate it. evaluate whether this is a worthwhile economic is worthwhile economically yeah very important um industry so if you've got students who have completed and then gone out on into industry if you can get that feedback i think that's valuable if too. you can get that in about three months time yeah. after they've graduated if you do a tracer survey at a later date that's right and very important yeah mm. um and then of course you've got the original validation records from from industry representatives. Um, and you're also looking at moderation judgments mm. after approximately three months where you're reviewing the assessment judgments mm. that have been made to determine if if they're balanced and they're uniformed regardless as to who's delivering the course. Yeah. Um, uh, I think also it's, you know, we've already alluded to it that, you know, after the pilot, that's not it. You know, courses continue to change and evolve over time mm-hmm. so having regular reviews of a course yeah um it, once it's been piloted and it's in situ and part of your educational program those ongoing reviews are really important the 12 month mark of a course review is really important isn't it so yeah. you may not go into as much detail as what you originally did um, or then again, you may choose to go right back and go all the way through it forensically uh, to ensure that can it be refined, can it be enhanced in any way, what needs to be added. But it's really important to stop at 12 months and to take the time to go through it all over again. Mm. Yeah. So really worthwhile, I think. Um, Muhammad, our... Uh, part of our listening audience has raised a really important topic with regards to how do you go about piloting a new course. Um, so I think it's been a really good topic mm. um, to discuss and something that we had overlooked. So thank you, Mohammed, if you're listening. 
um, and we look forward to further input from our listening audience and if you need further information on any of this content um, then you can go to Kate's website now because I've actually stepped away from Transformation Consultancy and I'm no longer actively working with the company Um, so Kate is uh, leading the company moving forward so feel free to take a look at your website Kate into the future uh, because there's some good content on there Thank you.